Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Nick Kruger. Nick, welcome back. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just uh, trying real hard to make sure that I don't, you know, rot my teeth out with all this leftover Halloween candy that I've had sitting around the house. But uh, other than that, you know, just make, making cameos as I do here on this podcast. You know, my dad used to, you know, by the way, my dad had rotten teeth. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> dentures by the time he was like 40, uh, stemming not from candy. We'll put it that way. Uh, and he used to always say that to me that I was going to rot my mouth out. And I'd be like, look who's talking, old man, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> hope you're not used to now. You've got nice teeth. Guess, guess who doesn't? Guess who has rotten teeth now, by the way? Uh, boy, it could be anybody. I don't know. Uh, me, you know, I'm, oh. I'm on, we're on, we're on root canal number seven or eight. Uh, here, so I guess, man. uh, guess well, my dad was right. May, but, yeah, uh, must anyway. Have been <laughs> so, uh, we were supposed to have this is once again supposed to be the reunion pod. Woody, Nick, and Rob reunited, and once again, Rob Cassidy, MIA, nowhere to be found, laying in his bed. Wow, must be nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This definitely must be nice situation. For those of you who don't know, here's what happens. This has probably happened uh, about 200 times since we've been doing the podcast. We say, "What time can we do the podcast?" We say, "You know, oh, let's do it at 8:30." Okay. Rob will then text you at about 7.45 and say, ah, can we do nine instead? <laughs> and you say, oh, okay, sure. Then at like 8.34, he's like, I'm ready. Where are you guys at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, you said you want to do it later. So yeah. that's what goes behind the scenes, uh, machinations of this podcast. So this is a Chad Morris is fired special. Uh, we've been doing these coach firing specials. Uh, people love them. We got some good numbers on a Willie Taggart one last week. So I brought in Nick. And of course, Nick, part of the coach firing special is the old cold takes, freezing cold takes, old takes exposed replay of our discussion when he was hired. So so wait, 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 wait. Before you before you play it, have you have you I, I guess you must have listened to what we all said about it before you to have it queued up, right? Yes, I have two different clips I wanted to play. Right, well, let, so let me let me just can we play a game where like I guess what I would have said? <laughs> yeah, 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 cuz yeah, cuz this is a long time ago. Um I'm going to get I'm going to guess that I said it was a smart hire because he did relatively well at SMU, is from Texas, was going to recruit the state well, and it should have been it should have been a good move for Arkansas. Okay. That's what he said. So that that's your prediction. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, hold on. Let me get it queued up here. Let's go to the tape and find out what Nick had to say. Uh, when so we have two clips. We're going to play the first one, talk about it, then we'll play the second clip. Okay, let's go to the tape. Nick Kruger, take it away. Here's the here's the deal, though. I mean, Southern Methodist. We're talking we're talking about a top ten college football offense uh, this this past season. I mean, he showed very uh, strong improvement year. You know, in his in his two years as head coach there in, in SMU, and I think. You know, I think uh, I, I'm personally I'm a little surprised that it you know it took him this long to get hired in this coaching carousel uh, with this job in particular. You know, it seemed uh, it seemed like he was one of the the hot names for a lot of different jobs. But I think this is a good fit for him, and I think it's a natural progression for him. I mean, a lot of Texas A&M fans thought that he was he was next man up when someone was out. So to find himself in the you know in the SEC with an opportunity to still recruit Texas, uh, 
you know, is, is a pretty good, a pretty good fit for him, I think. Man, 14 and 22 at SMU. And I understand that the program was in a total state of disarray when he took over. But one of these hires, whether it be him or Willie or whoever, that got hired with the losing record is going to blow up in one of these schools' faces. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How about Rob Cassidy? He skips the episode and he sounds like a well, genius. Yeah, well, he said he said one of the hires is going to blow up in their faces, not both of them. So, <laughs> not all. Let's of not them, give him yeah. too much credit. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts, Nick? Here, here was the thing: Brett Bielema totally tanked Arkansas recruiting in Texas. So when they hired Morris, it was we got to have a guy with Texas ties. He's a former Texas high school coach. He uh, was at SMU. They had he took some of those guys, turned them into high quality NFL NFL draft picks. So it seemed like it was a it was a no brainer. Yeah, and you know, as I was going back and thinking about, <laughs> I mean, the reason the reasoning is I, I I don't I don't disagree with the reasoning that I had then. I mean, I I would still I still probably would have said the same thing under the circumstances. But really now, as I've been thinking about it, I mean, look at look at SMU now versus when he was there, right? So I mean, obviously, a lot of those guys. Uh, a fair number of those of those players are still left over from when he was at SMU, so maybe give him partial credit for that. But even now, we can't say like the relative success that he had at SMU. Can we? Can we say that that was like as good as we thought it was, considering how well Sonny Dykes has done this season with them? You know, so he, it might have been an overrated situation from the jump, and we just didn't realize it. And uh, you know, I, it's it's tough that it didn't work out. But I mean, to your point, when we were talking about Brent Bulam, I went back and did a little bit of. Uh, for the first time in, in podcast history, I think I actually did some research uh, heading into an episode, <laughs> and here we are. I mean, just the seasons that Brent had with uh, Arkansas. I mean, he let's let's not forget he only had one eight win season uh, as as a coach there. And wait, how many seasons was he there for? Four or five? Um, you have to you have to yeah. go all the way back to uh, Bobby Petrino in his final three seasons to, you know, to have any sort of uh, relative success, you know, for what Arkansas fans probably feel that they uh, should be achieving. I mean, he, Petrino's last three seasons, eight and five, 10 and three, 11 and two, um, you know, so, so it's been, they've been down for a long time. Yeah. And those seasons coincided, the successful years at least coincided with Alabama just starting to get good again, uh, you know, or at the tail end of when they were bad. It's just so hard, man. I mean, you look at Arkansas schedule. It's like <laughs> they have to play like they have to play Alabama, LSU, and Auburn every year. So right out of the gate, your best case scenario is to go nine and three, right? It, yeah, at least in the early like, going, right? Right, and then it's like okay, if Mississippi State is decent, or if uh, Texas A and M is going to be better than you. Next thing you know, you're just trying to get to five hundred. I thought he did a really good job recruiting in the first year. They lost some guys late, but I mean, his first full class, I mean, he had some playmakers and they're out there playing. I heard, I heard another podcast say like, Oh, well, if he did so well recruiting, why aren't they winning? I'm like, well, he's been working there for like 15 months or or whatever, you know, like 18 months. Let's not make it seem like, okay, well, why aren't they winning more? Here's, here's why they had to fire him. It's it's fine to be bad, but you have to show some type of progress somewhere. Like if you're an offensive guru, if you're the guy who helped develop Deshaun Watson or recruit Deshaun Watson and you've known for being offense, you've got at least like if you're losing games, you know, 49 to 32. But I mean, he he went through like eight quarterbacks yeah. in two seasons and none of them right. were good. Yeah, that, that, that was – 
you know, obviously you can always point to a quarterback and at any level of football and say, if, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have stability at the quarterback position, you're, you're in a bad spot to begin with. And that's, you know, that's definitely one of the major points that did him in, you know, but really, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, well, I don't, I don't know what you really want to focus on more. I mean, you, when you look at from a recruiting perspective, I mean, he came in in 2018 uh, or for the 2018 class and the, that class only finished with 17 signees and 13 of them came after he was hired, right? So a number of them were, you know, guys that had been committed to SMU that he brought over. But I mean, Arkansas, yeah, you, you brought up the point that Bill and McKilled recruiting, I mean, and granted, some of that has to do with him being fired before Morris being hired. But I mean, to, to have to fill out, you know, 13 of the 17 guys in 2018. And then in 2019, he had the 20th overall ranked class in the country. You know, and then you're just firing him a season later. You don't even give those guys, you know, an appreciable amount of time to develop to the point where you would, you know, you know, you would say that he's he's being able to turn turn the ship around in that regard, right? Yeah, you just but like I said, you have to same with Willie Taggart. I mean, the the things that did Willie Taggart in, like I mean, your team leading the country in penalties every single season and, you know, stuff like that. It's like, that's coaching. There's a difference between, you know, the talent limitations and the coach. So he recruited all these receivers. It's like, okay, well, stand back there and throw the ball. You know, he's got an NFL, he's got at least one NFL running back on the roster. You know, what's going on? He had 180 yards or something against Western Kentucky, but it's like, you can't be losing to Western Kentucky, San Jose State, unless you're doing something well. Like I said, like scoring fifty points a game, and then they still almost, they almost lost week so. one to Portland State. <laughs> I mean, that was real touch and go there at the down, you know, down the stretch. But let, so last season, last season Arkansas was dead last in turnover rate on offense. So they went from one hundred and thirty to one hundred and twenty fourth this season. Last year they were one hundred and twenty sixth in touchdown rate offensively. This year they're one hundred and tenth. So to say that there's no improvement, Woody, is a gross overstatement on your part. Listen, let me tell you something, Nick. If I went on a recruiting visit to the school and they, you're almost beating you, you've got problems. As uh, Portland State hosted me uh, for for an unofficial visit. So that tells you all you need to know about the, the caliber of athletes they're recruiting uh, and to go down there and give them problems. But, Nick, hold on. Hold the phone. There's a part two to uh, our uh, infamous Arkansas discussion. Let's go to the tape, part two. Hog, who we were talking about, says that's a pretty strange comeback. Just because a mediocre mid-major wants to keep their coach doesn't mean that an SEC team should hire him. Uh, see, I mean, it's a lot, you know. I, I don't know why they wouldn't want him. Think about if he never went to SMU. Let's pretend that didn't happen, okay? This you're talking. He came from. He was a he was a coordinator at Clemson. Yeah, that's correct? what I'm saying. Imagine if. So if they want Venables, then they should want Morris. Morris has head coaching experience. Now you know he can recruit the state of Texas. Right, which they have to do in Arkansas. So I like the hire. So, right, they shouldn't. Guys, Arkansas fans, you've been kind to me on the message board when I posted that story just now. Just, you know, let it let it happen. It'll be fine. Right. All I know is I don't want to get cross with anybody named Long Hog. <laughs> Of course, Rob had to get a shot in there. But uh, so there you go. The fans didn't like the hire at the time. If you go back and listen to that podcast, episode 85, turning out to be one of our best episodes ever. Uh, we it also is the same episode uh, with the Willie Taggart talk where Rob said the hire was a no brainer. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, all these conversations are skewed by our what what our um, 
presumed level, you know, like we, we focused on recruiting, right? And so that was always the scope that we looked through these hires first and foremost. And that, and obviously that's the, you know, that's a, a huge part of the discussion when you're talking about a college football head coach, but, um, you know, that all, all of our rationale is driven by that point. So, you know, we, we weren't really talking about the, you know, the on-field product and, you know, what, cause there was no way that we could have predicted that we couldn't predicted that Willie Taggart would be a horrible game manager this year would, you know, say that his team isn't conditioned well enough. And you're just, fi- you're just figuring this out in the start of the season after an entire fall training camp that you knew you were going to run the offense the way that you're going to. And now it's like a big, now you got the shot Pikachu face that you don't, you guys aren't in good enough shape to be running the <laughs> run, running the st- style of play that you are. I mean, the, you know how how could we have how could we have known and and for and for a, a coaching staff I mean largely it, you know the Arkansas staff was the SMU staff effectively right and and for them to so so presumably a lot of their first real significant experience managing these games being put in these situations that they were in with Arkansas you know that was the first time that they were going through all that stuff now you would still expect that you know to there to be some learning involved heading into this season, which I guess probably, you know, didn't, didn't happen the way that it should have, but um, you know, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes things work out. A lot of times they don't, but what do you think would happen if FSU hired Deion Sanders this season? You know, <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that later, but yeah, the, I look, like you said, we are talking from a recruiting perspective and, but he did do his job. He was, a, he, I mean, he had maybe their best recruiting class ever. Now, is it going to pan out? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, but there's no doubt there was a downturn in recruiting. There was a lot of guys who left the program. There was, I mean, you know, I, I just don't understand. Like, like they started John Stephen Jones at quarterback this week. It's like this was a winnable game. My thinking was, <laughs> do you think he started – uh, Jerry Jones's grandson because he thought it might help him save his job if Jerry's, you know, kicking in yeah, for his buyout probably. or whatever. Probably. I mean, but, but, you know, I, I was also taking a look at the other, the other relatively new hires around the SEC in general. I mean, if you go back to, I, I really just kind of look from 2016 forward and because, you know, we have during that time in the SEC, there's one, two, three, Four, five, six, seven, eight, 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 eight new head coaches during that time from 2016 forward, and it's like Ed Orgeron's obviously having a great season. Kirby Smart went to a you know a national championship in his second year. Dan Mullen, I think, is doing. Dan Mullen's probably the 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 most impressive job thus far because Georgia should have been expected that that Kirby was going to have a lot to work with there. Same same could be said for Ed Orgeron. Um, but when you look at some of these, other, I mean, Jimbo at, at Texas A&M, granted, they had a, a, a pretty horrible schedule this year to try and work through. And, you know, they're, they're kind of getting things moving the right direction there, you know, to close out the season, but nine and four, his first season, six and three. Now Joe Moorhead was eight and five, his first season, he's four and five this year. Yeah. Jeremy, get in. listen, I, I'm way out on him. Jeremy Pruitt. It might, might finish six and six this season, five and seven, you know, Will Muschamp has only had, he had a nine win season and. 2017 and Matt Luke at Ole Miss is, you know, I, I, you say what you want to about the situation there and and how Hugh Freeze left it, but I mean, it's not like when everybody talks about how great the SEC is and how competitive it is, that might be true, but I mean, let's let's not, you know, let's not pretend that Chad Morris is, I, you know, his record was not good, but it's not like there's, it's not like he's being outclassed 
you know, by a, by a ton in some of these other programs, you know? No, I agree. It just, you know, it's tough for him. I think he'll, I think he'll find himself, you know, with an offensive coordinator job. I don't know where, where he gets another shot as a head coach. I just, like I said, I just don't know where it went wrong with the inability to have a quarterback. I just, I don't, I understand it's hard to find a quarterback, but it's like I was doing looking at his. I mean, if you look at the numbers Ben Hicks put up it, with his last year under more under Morris at SMU, and then he transfers to Arkansas, and he he's not even completing fifty percent of his passes. Yeah. So it's like what what I don't. There's no excuse for that. So you know, Arkansas fans that were concerned at the time, they were right. We were wrong. Uh, you know, but the, there was so many jokes that one of the comments we kept reading was from a guy named Long Hog, uh, <laughs> which led to a lot of the jokes on the podcast. I wonder, should I look up? Do we think Long Hog is still a member uh, on our site? And is he saying, I, tr- I told you so? <laughs> well, if there's one thing I know about subscribers and posters on Message Boys, they love to they love to give themselves props whenever they can. So. Okay, let's see. We got two. Here we go. Um, uh, Long Hog's on here, but he's talking about he didn't post that much. Uh, he want he did want them to hire. Uh, let's. He wanted he he weighed in on Hugh Freeze. He didn't talk much. Come on, Long Hog. Shouldn't he be out here saying I told you guys? <laughs> you think he would be? Uh, you think he'd be living and basking in it? But I don't know. It's. It, I, it's always a bummer when somebody gets fired. Like I saw a tweet today from a national college football writer and it was like, it's 958 and Chad Morris is still the head coach at Arkansas. It's like, all right, dude, if you're going to put Bible verses in your bio, it's like, let's not advocate for people yeah. to get fired on a Sunday morning before 10 a.m., you know? <laughs> the, well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, so the, the one thing that I didn't really have time to uh, or energy to go back and do is like, I mean, who was – you know, we were we were just saying like our, he he was one of the last guys to get hired during you know on the coaching carousel that year. I mean, who would have been a better candidate at the point that Chad Morris was hired? Well, so the guys they wanted and people had talked about are going to be the names that come up again. You know, Mike Norvell, uh, Mike Leach uh, was a name that I think is very interesting because, like, that's been his thing. Is like, okay, let me go to Texas Tech you know, basically an outpost of the big 12 and turn them into decency. Let me go to Pullman, Washington and turn them from, you know, the basement to decency. I don't know how he would fit in Arkansas, but I mean, you know, he, he, he came out again yesterday and was, was saying all types of stuff like what, uh, about, about his team and how they suck so bad. And it's kind of like Leach's gimmick wears off after a while. You know, by the way, you know who really hates him is Eric Bossy. Uh, I mean, Eric Bossy with, I mean, the amount of texts I get from him during like pack 12 after dark about Mike Leach being a fraud (laughs) at an all time high. Um, Let me see what, let me see. Mike Leach voices strong disappointment in his team, placing some of the blame on the players. Now this is when he called them fat, uh, he called him fat one mm-hmm. time, um, and yesterday after the game, the media had to wait like an extra long time to talk uh, to the players because I guess Leach was in there screaming yeah. at people. Um, 
He says, we, we definitely regressed, Leach said in the post-game press conference. Somehow it's got to be meaningful enough to the players. And as coaches, we've got to make it meaningful. We pretend it's meaningful and we will pretend to try hard. As soon as it gets difficult, then we wilt. Um, uh, so this, somebody asked, you know, when, how do you get players to believe in the message? He said, that's a great question. We failed to reach the group. Our team leaders in the group, either they're frauds or they haven't reached the group yet. <laughs> it's called it team leaders frauds. Boy, uh, it's, a lot, it's, yeah. a lot, it's a lot of finger pointing about who's a fraud in relation to Mike Leach. Uh, <laughs> right. But, so, but d- philosophically, I mean, don't you, don't you think that that is not what Arkansas needs, uh, generally speaking? Because, I mean, you basically hired Chad Morris with the understanding that like the offense was going to get the jump start, and maybe instead of being on the wrong side of those 49-32 games, you're the one that wins because you have the offense, right? And that's what Mike Leach brings to the table. It's what happened, you know, I mean, he d- defense is clearly a huge, huge problem. I mean, the efficiency on offense is not good with Arkansas, but defense is a, is a huge problem as well. I mean, they give up just about 450 yards a game, you know, four or five touchdowns on average with this schedule that they played this season. Uh, you know, so it, it, you're talking just more stats that I dug up. I mean, they're averaging somewhere just north of 10 penalties a game for 90 yards a game. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Leach is the fit. Like I would say at this point now, when you look at what look at what Kansas State did with, you know, with the guy that they hired and maybe try and figure out something more close to that versus trying to find a way to fix what didn't work this season you know yeah yeah i don't know you whoever they bring in i mean they obviously can't do another i i could see them hiring a defensive guy but if they do i think it's got to be i think the offensive coordinator is going to be someone that's going to build off of the the players they've recruited because they went from that pro style wisconsin offense to morris being like all right we're running the spread now (laughs) and it was like okay, we have to completely recruit different players. Now, if you make a pivot in the other direction, it's like, well, what do we do now? We got to start from scratch a a third time or whatever. So I don't know. I just think, (laughs) I just think it's going to be hard to win at Arkansas. I think it's just a really hard place to win as long as Alabama, Auburn, uh, LSU, LSU could be, we could be poised for a Clemson type run here from them. I mean, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens post Joe Burrow. Let's say that, right? Who's the, who's the, well, yeah, but they're going to go get some, well, they have, don't forget, let's not forget they have your boy, Miles Brennan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they're going to go get a grad transfer. I mean, there's already talk about Derek King, uh, dark horse Heisman candidate, okay, yeah. um, being a guy that comes in there and with those receive every receiver they have basically is coming back. I mean, Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall both be yeah. back. I mean, a lot of the guys on defense are going to be back. So someone's going to want to come there and play and be like a high profile guy that steps in and has a chance. I, I so. mean, I, but you know, too, I mean, I think there's the situation with Hicks and, and how you brought up, you know, he, he was successful at SMU. Why, why didn't it work at Arkansas? I mean, that's, how, how do you even – that's another thing that can – is probably unpredictable through some unquantifiable reason because look at look at what happened. Look at how SMU benefited this season from Shane Bouchel who had – you know, when I was watching – when I was watching Bouchel play at Texas, I mean, it, it was like what, – what 
he almost needed like the NBA 24 second shot clock, you know, to go through his progressions and, <laughs> and, and here, and here he is just whipping the ball around at SMU and they're scoring, you know, they're scoring all kinds of points. that seem to be the great fit for him. some of that. Sometimes it's like, you don't know that stuff until, you know, until you see it play out on the field. I don't think, you know, I don't think Arkansas should have it. it I, you know, I, I, just look, looking at Arkansas next to Clemson, right? I mean, you're talking about two schools that are more or less kind of out in the. I mean, Clemson's, I guess, is close to Greenville, but as a city itself, I mean, what does Clemson really offer outside of what's, you know, what's contained in the university area, right? And the same can be said for Arkansas. And the facilities out there are awesome. You know, I mean, you you brought up the Jerry Jones money. I mean, they've got all kinds of. You know they've got all kinds of luxurious spa quality. <laughs> That's a Walmart cash, man. Yeah. So, so I mean, I I don't think I don't think Arkansas should be a difficult place to recruit. And you know what? When you talk about just general SEC recruiting, that's that's what they play up. You, Alabama's not recruiting you. Come here and beat them. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that and that's always the message, right? Even if it never ends up happening that way, but. So do you have anybody who, who do you think uh who do we really think as a coach this one I wrote yeah I wrote an article today I put in Leech by the way it's on Reddit I was like why is it why are so many people reading this article <laughs> <laughs> big shout big shout to Reddit uh, 174 comments 83 upvotes Nick we better get up there and vote it up oh man that's exciting um I didn't look who did you who did you put in I'm going to try and call up that story here so so I put Leech um, this is the, I put Norvell. Mm-hmm. I put Willie Fritz, a friend of the show from Tulane. I think he'd be a very good candidate, even though he's a little on the older side. I put Billy Napier, uh, from, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, who, uh, was the offensive coordinator at Clemson before Morris and then also worked at Alabama. And then last but not least, I put Gus Malzahn from Auburn. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nick, he's a, he's an Arkansas native. Yeah, they tried to hire him two years ago. It always seems like he's getting fired, right? Um, right. At, at at Auburn every year, he's on the hot seat. So it's like I don't know, man. It could happen. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I feel I feel like the I feel like the Gus Malzahn, like you know, to your to your point, it's 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 a little turbulent, you know, trying to like, it's, it's really, a, even though, even though he's been a success at Auburn, largely speaking, I mean, it, he's really fighting tooth and nail to get there every, you know, with every, with every success that he gets. I like, I like Fritz, honestly, as, as, but, but Arkansas, that's what I was saying, you know, make a, make a hire like they did at K state, you know, Fritz would kind of be on that level and it wouldn't necessarily be a guy that, that the message board would light up and he, and, and they, people would have all kinds of, you know, optimism about, but I think, he's it, it, the, what he's been able to show it uh to lane you know is just all kinds of creativity i mean they, they were largely an option team but look at the point totals that they put up this season you know they they were they were throwing the ball around with the best of them in some games um i i think i think that list i would go i would go with fritz all right yeah I, you know you can, you can't deny what fritz has done i mean he's he's basically worked his way up to every level this is not like a guy who was ever like a young hot coordinator or anything and we met with him he's turning 60 i think he's definitely seems like a like a gym coach you'd kind of be afraid of yeah. right don't you think that's <laughs> that's the vibe he gives off so discipline would not be an issue with him uh, and guess what now he's got 
he was at Georgia Southern where he was very successful. So now he's got ties to Georgia to recruit. He's also been in New Orleans and uh, that's, that would, could be a key area for Arkansas. Yeah. So uh, I think it, he would be a good hire. He wouldn't be like the sexiest hire there is, but you want to talk about a guy with a proven track record, someone who could be there for, you know, seven to 10 years if everything goes right. I mean, because you know, everyone wants- don't you think, don't you think that Norville is the guy that everybody's going to go after now? I mean, he's, he's top of everybody's list at this point, right? I guess. He was almost, I, but he was almost that guy last, last year. And you know, another. Right. Oh, excuse me. Memphis has money too. They got that FedEx cash, man. When they were trying to get into the, uh, when they were trying to get into the big 12, I mean, it was like, I had heard that the boosters were prepared to build whatever they wanted or do whatever they wanted to, to show the conference that, that they were legit. So uh, I could see him getting a big raise, but it's going to be tough to pass on, keep passing on opportunities. But, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if Arkansas is the job that necessarily lures him away. I saw some people say, of course, Matt, <laughs> Matt Campbell, which uh, I know you don't really listen to the show anymore, Nick, but, the Iowa State obsession right, and the obsession with Matt Campbell is just a recurring theme. Iowa State now five and four on the year, and people are ready to back up the Brinks truck for our boy Matt. Yeah, so there's there's a there's another podcast that I frequently listen to where the the host is a pretty big Ohio State fan, and you know there was some noise about Matt Campbell being on the short list for you know before they ultimately went with Day, and he's he's always making fun of an, one of the other <laughs> the other people. Hey, how's, how's Matt Campbell doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, everybody loves him. It's insane. And then everybody loves him and everybody loves Iowa State. I mean, even as late as this past week, I was hearing I was hearing people say, uh, you know, if, if if they beat Oklahoma, they might be in the driver's seat for the Big 12 title game. It's like they're five and three, man. Like, and I know they almost won that game because Oklahoma uh, looked more like Choklahoma in the second half there, but uh, I, I don't get it. So, That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, I don't know if it'll. I don't know how long this is going to take. Do you think any of these hires get made by the end of the season, or do you think it's just going to be a frenzied uh, week after thing? Because the season's going long this year. That's the other thing. We got two bye weeks, so let me see when the last day is. Um, because you know, I know Scott Frost was hired. If you remember, before UCF had really finished playing in right. their championship game, but I mean, for the most for the most part, those those. Uh, Hires don't happen until after the last week. So if we go down to week 15, which is the uh, conference championships weeks, I mean, we're talking December 6th. So week 14 ends. uh, That's the 30th. So you're talking about December 1st. A lot of these hires at the earliest is when they're going to be made. When's the when's the early signing period? The 18th. That, that's not pretty. I, these teams are gonna have to move fast, though. I mean, you know, you can't at this point now at that early signing period. You just can't. You you can't you can't be the you can't be the and, and especially like we mentioned, you know, Arkansas was one of the last teams to make a hire last, uh, you know, before before they got Morris. So they need to be. Hopefully, they learned. They learned from the process, and uh, you know, they're able to make some kind of move quickly. I'm not sure what the dynamics would have to be to get uh, to get that done before you know, before the time that you mentioned, but. Well, what's crazy is if you look at like when Tacker got hired, remember he flipped a bunch of Oregon's recruits. Mm-hmm. 
Oregon's now like number seven in the country and Mario Cristobal's second year. And he basically didn't get to keep most of that, you know, most of the big names he had in that first class. Because remember, they didn't hire him until I feel like we were in San Antonio or something. No, no, I was in New Orleans uh, and people were calling me about. So, I mean, we're talking mid-December. He didn't, and they had to play in the bowl game and they missed official visits. It's like, it's really hard, man. You're setting coaches back. I mean, even you talked about Jeremy Pruitt. Remember, he was staying to coach Alabama in the national championship or in the playoff or whatever. And yeah. He basically missed an entire class. It's just really hard for – I don't think coaches are going to be able to stay on at their previous places. Sorry about that. Um, so I, I don't know. This the, the early signing period is – I think it's submarining a lot of these coaches. And I've, I've heard some people refer to it as, oh, the first year should be called a year zero for these coaches because they don't get to bring in their, their first class. But yeah. Nobody has patience anymore, man. Well, the the alternative, uh, going back to something that you know, I had been a recurring topic at the at the past couple of big Big Twelve media days that I had been to was the, you know, the Big Twelve commissioner was talking about having an August early signing period, and so if you if you do it that way, then but that but then you'd still it'd still be a nightmare with all these kids trying to uh, either put they'd all want out, yeah. yeah, they'd be like. They'd be like, I, it'd be like basketball where they need a release. Need or a release or go straight into the transfer portal before their first practice and all that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would just be, I mean, it's hard enough as it is now to keep it. I mean, I think uh, Arkansas had already lost some guys to the portal who were freshmen yeah. from, from last year. So, all right, let's move on. You mentioned it. Well, we we're going to probably talk about it with Rob later in the week because he's really passionate about how mad he is about Dion being suggested as a legitimate candidate. You and I have been uh, hanging around Dion now for yeah. the better part of a decade plus, right? Yeah, it's true. You you famously had a one-on-one sit-down with him. That's true. That's when true. he was coaching at the Under Armour game. And uh, he also helped get uh, – what was our what was our, Dave Dorsey arrested? That well, <laughs> that might that might be the that might be worth giving him any sort of head coaching job, you know, right? If you're if, when you when you're pulling that off. Uh, okay, so a quick background to the listeners. <laughs> so when Nick and I worked in Southwest Florida at the Naples Daily News, uh, Dion would come back every year. He would bring a youth team from Texas, right, to play the Naples Gators, which is like a legendary Pop Warner team, right? Was that the deal? Well, yeah. I, I think it was just one year, wasn't it? I don't think it was like every year. Oh, really? Okay. Maybe. So but it was a it was a really big deal. Right. Um yeah, it was a really big deal for especially I mean, this was we're talking an area where we would have to cover Little League baseball in the uh in the summer. Um <laughs> so uh, I don't know, it was like it was it was definitely it was definitely tough, but uh, this this was a huge deal. Dion was having this big event. It looks like it was '09. It's on Deadspin here. Uh, as, as a, I'm trying to find the story. <laughs> okay, ready? Yes. Um, Dion Sanders' mom is a First Amendment hero. Um, the amazing thing about this isn't that the cops stupidly slapped handcuffs on a sports writer, apparently for the crime of doing his job in casual wear. The amazing thing is he was arrested because he was trying to interview Deion Sanders. So uh, so our boy Dorsey showed up. 
dressed in a you know typical sports writer garb, I would imagine, New Balance cargo shorts, and the cops, uh, the cops stopped him and said, "Hey, you can't just be walking up to to uh, Dave you, Dave Dorsey. You can't be walking up to Tion. He ends up getting a fight with him. Chaos briefly ensued, and uh, he got it. Didn't he get detained? Uh, I don't, I don't quite recall all the. This is a little fuzzy at this point in my life. (laughs) When the officers approached Dorsey, he identified himself with his driver's license. Dorsey said he worked for the news press and was there to speak with Sanders. When officer asked for additional identification, Dorsey said, let me see your ID. He then handed over an electronic door access card that said information technology on the front and news press on the back. The card didn't have his name. The officers told Dorsey he wasn't allowed on the field, but he attempted to gain access again. After the game, Dorsey pushed through the crowd and walked through the gate in Sanders' directions. When the officers tried to handcuff Dorsey, he pulled away and struggled with them. The officers removed Dorsey from the field in handcuffs. They released him only after Dion's mother said he was allowed to be there. Uh... The staff member who initially pointed Dorsey out to officers cried when informed of the miscommunication. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a detail to end the story oh, with. Oh, jeez. So, uh, this is a guy, th- th- also, also more perspective for the listeners. This is a guy that, you know, every, every year, also in Fort Myers, one of the biggest events is the City of Ponce basketball tournament. And, uh, and that's as high it's high level high school programs from around the country all come and, and play close to Christmas and uh, also college basketball coaches come out and do a lot of you know do a lot of scouting and uh, they're not allowed to talk with the players at that point but but they, you see no, all, they you see all, all yeah. oh they are now you see you no, see you see all, out, like Coach K will be there and everybody right right, right yeah so Roy Williams was there uh, and th- at this point this is after he started coaching for North Carolina too but Roy Williams was there and. Uh, you know, watching one of the games, and here comes Dave Dorsey sauntering on in in his Kansas Jayhawks warmups, uh, you know, shirt tearaway. Um, walks walks up to Roy Williams and asks for an autograph as he's there oh, covering the event. Oh. So, I didn't know that. I never heard that uh, story. Tells you tells you everything you need to know. I only remember when he accused me publicly of faking my home invasion. <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. Take that. You can buy Dave's book, Fourth and Dunbar, uh, on Amazon.com. I'm sure. And you'd also be the first person to do so. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is the Dave Dorsey story hour, but uh, that gives you an idea. Were you at that? You were at that game, weren't you? At the Dion thing? Yeah. When he came to Naples? Yeah, I was there. I had no, I had no issues with the authorities. So you could have probably said, "Hey, you let so you let Dorsey go down. You let him. You were like exclusive interview for me. I'll let him get arrested." Well, I mean, Woody, come on. <laughs> anyway, Any, anything for the scoop, right? <laughs> That's right. It was a those two papers are now one, but at the time we were bitter rivals uh, yeah. for sure. So, um, so we've known Dion forever. Do we think Dion could be a college? head coach and run a program right now i do oh wow upset pick okay go ahead i I mean i wouldn't i wouldn't give him the keys to florida state though i mean it it would have to be the typical you know work your work your way up from a you know from a 
you know, program, a smaller program group of five or, or whatever. But, but I, I just think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm one of the few people that I think actually has like a pretty positive opinion of Deion Sanders. Um, in in regards to the way that he handles himself when it comes to football type things. And, and I, I think it goes without saying that, you know, he's got the charisma to be a ace recruiter. Uh, you know, I think he's got the, I got, he's got the reputation and the, the image that kids, kids know who he is. Uh, and you know, Dion comes, primetime comes walking through your door telling you he wants to give you a scholarship. You, you don't think that's gonna, that's gonna motivate some kids. I think it definitely would. Um, you know, I mean, we've, we, I, I think at this point now, from a coaching perspective, I've seen enough of him working with working with guys. My 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 thought of Dion coming in whenever I seen him coaching at Under Armour, it, you know, at some of the camps that we've been to, um, you would think that a guy who has had such a successful career, predicated on so much natural athleticism and just you know God given uh, thing, you know, attributes and skills that most guys just don't have. You, you would think that wouldn't really lend itself well to, to coaching, but I think he's been doing this long enough now at this point, working with these guys and, you know, studying up on, on techniques and things like that. I'm actually pretty impressed with, you know, the things that I've seen him, uh, tell, you know, tell kids at at, at camps and events and, and the way that he coaches them, the way that he gets along with them, the rapport he builds with them. And even though he's got so much, uh, swag, I guess we'll say as, as part of his personality, I mean, he really gets after guys too. When they screw up, he lets them know about it. You know, um, I, 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 I mean, listen, obviously I'm the one that thought one of the people that thought Chad Morris wouldn't be a bad hire. So I'm, I'm, an air towards positivity when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think there's, I, I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be the shipwreck that most people would probably think it to be. So you do make a couple of good points. So the, the biggest part is de- separating Dion from his Twitter persona where he's now decided he was underrated. I don't know if you've seen that. He was a zero star recruit. Yeah, I mean, uh, read, right? Right, exactly. He starts going out. I didn't even have any scholarships for my senior year. It's like, well, Dion, I mean, come on, bro. That was like 30 or 40 years ago. <laughs> no offense to you, but it was it's a completely different era of how recruiting is done. It wasn't like Bobby Bowden just pulled up to Fort Myers High and was like, hey, what's going on? You know, who you got, coach? Oh, this guy looks pretty good. Yeah, you want to come to Florida State? All right, cool. Like those, those days are obviously uh, – you know, seriously gone and have changed a lot. But Dion is dialed into the current, and he has, he's had three sons that are that have gotten recruited, the third one in high school right now. So he knows how the process works. I just don't know. I just don't know if Dion is like the type of guy personality-wise, because, I mean, like, Dion is like basically like an A-list celebrity in terms of how he – you know, we're talking about like, yo, give me a bowl with only green M&Ms type situation. <laughs> if, you know, Dion shows up a little late, he's got his, uh, you know, he's got his publicist with him or whoever else. Uh, I, I just don't know if he's ready to be like, oh, I'm going to go sit in the office. And I mean, he's Dion. He likes to be on TV. He's dining, you know, charismatic and everything like that. I'm not saying he's not a hard worker because obviously he is and he, he has a ton of different ventures. But do you think do you think he wants to give all that up to be, you know, sleeping in his office or whatever, like watching film at all hours of the night? I don't know what the uh, well, I, I, but I'm not sure that that's how co- I'm not sure that that's how a lot of head coaches are now. 
anymore either. Right, so I, you're saying you just want him to be like a CEO type and go out there and almost be like Bobby Bowden, just sell the sell the program and and uh, give him a good give him a veteran D coordinator and a good offensive coordinator and just let Dion be the the face of the program. Yeah, you know, and CEO head coach is is becoming a coming kind of like a buzzword, you know, type type uh, description for for certain coaching hires and and personalities. But uh, you know, in a, j- just in a in a general sense, I mean, I I think that I do, I think from from the ego standpoint, I think I think his ego is such that he doesn't need to be he doesn't need to have a mic in his hand. Uh, and being the person speaking on the television for that to feed his ego. Like if he knows he's on TV and an authoritative role as a head coach, I think that would work for him. And you know, his, his, he's gonna, he's gonna get his fixes and and his shots and his catch, uh, catchphrases in and press conferences and sideline interviews and things like that. I think, I think Dion is genuinely motivated by success uh, as a, as a coach would be because He's had a pretty successful career as a player, so I don't think that I don't think that he'd be satisfied with anything, yeah, you know, anything other than that. I think he, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know what form hard work looks like for him as a head coach as a as a college football program, but I think he he would do it, <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever form that takes. So uh, the last time I had a human conversation with Dion. Was well, probably two or three years ago. We were at Prime Twenty One, which is his camp, and uh, he was coaching a team. And I think it was <laughs> he picked the wrong quarterback. We'll put it that way. And I remember he was just despondent at how bad this kid was playing. That was the the quarterback of his seven on seven team at his own event, and uh, he was just like he just you know he was I was filming in the back of the end zone and he was standing back there and he goes man that kid can't hit the broad side of a barn <laughs> I was like well, Dion you didn't consult me on your uh, you didn't consult me on your uh, draft class there or whatever and so we're sitting there joking back and forth and sure enough our bo- you remember that remember that guy whose camp we went to out in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana yeah he walks up and just immediately like spoils the ink i don't know if he was like he if he was filming him or wanted a selfie it was like hey man what's up prime and it was just like we went from having a normal conversation to dion just immediately like bolting to get uh out of there and so that was the last time we had a decent talk of course there was a time uh, where rob uh made fun of his calves do you remember that <laughs> <laughs> to his face yeah you don't remember that no <laughs> so, so- so Rob, so Rob Cassidy has really like uh, muscular calves for some reason. That's like a genetic thing, right? Looks In like his case, yeah. <laughs> it looks like he works out, you know, hardcore on leg day or whatever. Dion, He's got thick, he thick Italian legs for sure, right? Exactly, <laughs> with some defined muscles there in the calves, you know. Yeah. So, so Dion, who is one of the fastest people to ever play football. He does not. I mean, Dion's legs just look like like if you, if I showed you a picture of it, it was like this player ran the fastest forty ever. I think you'd be like, what? Uh, he just kind of got skinny legs, and uh, he was wearing shorts. and And Rob was like, "Hey, Dion, what's up? You've sk- <laughs> been skipping leg day or something?" Like that. And the look on Dion's face of disgust. 
at Rob for uh, essentially body shaming him. Uh, <laughs> so, that's the version of the story I remember. You were there, but obviously, you know, maybe you weren't there. No, I feel maybe you weren't. Maybe it was me and Howell and, and Cassidy in Texas, but uh, we'll, well see. Rob, will it, it, no, the, time, the time that we were all three there covering a prime, I mean, I was doing camera stuff, so I was probably – I was probably there, but just like elsewhere. Right. So we'll let Rob retell the story later in the week and we'll see what his version of it is. But uh, anyway, something tells me it'll be it will be uh, a little different. huh? Well, Dion famously brought Maurice Washington to the all the uh, the Under Armour game in 20 in 2018 when he was kind of not not sort of like a relative unknown, but definitely was only at that game because Dion was a coach and. Had a pretty good had a pretty good All American game and and obviously we went to war with the Nebraska fans over leaving him a three star. Uh, Did we leave him a three star? We he was the he was the first five seven three star in the over in the overall rankings. Yeah, well, you know he's not even he quit the team at Nebraska. So, well, you know there Adam Gor- Adam Gorney was uh, you know. Di- he he didn't shy away from pointing out that there were some some character concerns prior to him transferring to Dallas that held him out. He he missed an entire year of high school football because he got kicked off a team in California for having uh, some sort of some sort of um, yeah. And then he had the issue. He had the issue with the uh, pornography charges. Right. Also. So right. uh, anyway, uh, so that's that's your that's what we think about Dion Nick. Uh, we we probably should go soon, but. What do you, I went to a party. We've been doing a segment where I complain about parties that I go to. Do you have any interest of hearing me about me going to a housewarming party? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, <laughs> call this the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Pretty cold in here. I thought it was a housewarming. <laughs> um, so, so we go to the housewarming party, uh, and I told the story. So the the uh, the couple that was hosting the party, huge football fans, including uh, the uh, the wife, uh, is an Alabama fan, a huge Alabama fan. We're talking like pretty knowledgeable of what goes on with Alabama. Graduated from there, et cetera. Probably knows who Andrew Bone is. Um, and the husband is a Georgia fan. So I had a expectation of football would be on, and it was. There was a TV in the living room, and there was a TV out on the back porch where it was definitely cold. I, I never made it that far because it was the feng shui of the new house is definitely in the question when you got a lot of bodies in there. So once again, Nick Kruger, how hard is it to have decent food at a party these days? <laughs> I mean – they got some sandwiches. Okay, great call. Let's get some sandwiches. Do you think they, of course, just covered in mayonnaise? <laughs> Why? Why? Why do we have to put, if we're serving a sandwich to a large group, I like mustard. Okay, I'm a mustard guy. If I'm ordering a sandwich for a large group of people, I'm telling them, leave it plain, put the mustard and mayonnaise on the sides, and let the people decide. Yeah. No, I, I, well, this, well, this is the first. This is the first time I've heard this particular conversation. But oh, I, you I'm, haven't heard me complain about mayonnaise. Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Well, specifically sandwich. <laughs> Listen, you and me have been to a lot of catered events together. <laughs> I've heard this before. What, what, what was on the rest of the menu here? Well, that's about it. Some oh, that tortilla it. chips. 
<laughs> some tortilla chips and some leftover Halloween candy, which I pounded almost all of. Right. It was between me and like this five-year-old girl. <laughs> she came over. She came over and she was looking at it. I was like, "You want some candy?" And she takes one piece. I said, "I said you better get what you want now because it's not going to be here when you come back." <laughs> she took like five pieces, and I was like, "All right, you know." How, that's a how long? Even- how long was the duration of the party? So the party started at five. I tried to time it out to where uh, I would get there. We would uh, leave here at halftime to go there so I wouldn't miss a lot of the LSU-Alabama game. Mm. So I stayed until probably midway through the first quarter of the games after that. So, I mean, I was there for probably two hours. Right. So, so if you're – so if, and, and people people showed up for the first half of the – Oh man, there was it was it was romper room situation. I mean, it was like there were so many kids in there, and a lot of people talking about you know football and not knowing what I do, and me just sitting there trying not to say anything because I didn't want to have to talk about it. Well, you know, I, then I'm with you, man. I, I mean, if we're talking if we're talking about a situation where a large group of people is going to be there for at least uh, at, at least some part of two games, you got to have more than just sandwiches and Halloween candy available. And and chips and chips. I mean, chip. First of all, chips and salsa. That's nothing. Okay, that counts as no. That counts as no food. And this is a lot of overlap between the group at this party and the famous vegan barbecue I went to on the Fourth of July, where I lost my mind through through an epic Woody fit. I, I actually took a nap on the couch in the middle of the party because I was so mad about there being no food. Um. There's plenty of chips. <laughs> if you want chips, chips aren't food, man. Yeah. So you know the gracious hosts. I love them very much, and I I don't know if maybe they weren't prepared for the influx of people they were going to have. Just get some catering. Just go to Chick Fil A. Get get fifty nugs, man. Well, at this point in my life, I mean, mo- most of the parties, most of the parties I'm involved with are dinner dinner related parties, right? I take great I take great joy in just going to the store, buying a ton of meat, and throwing it all on the grill. And having having a lot of options available for people, uh, because you know that grilling is standard standard male protocol. Grilling is a you know is essentially a hobby of mine at this point. So, well, I'll be having people over here this weekend, and guess what? The order is already in at Chick Fil A. <laughs> I'm I'm paying eighty five dollars for a cake. Okay, I mean I don't play around. Maybe it's just that I'm Italian or whatever, and I want to have food, but. And fat as a, as a as a byproduct, but I just don't get I just don't get it. Like the problem is everybody likes beer so much that they're like, oh man, we spent we threw down you know one hundred and eighteen dollars on micro brews, right? You know, let's throw out some hot dog buns and call it a day. It's like just, <laughs> I mean, and just hope everyone doesn't notice. So here's what I did: pro move by me, busted out the Shake Chef app they put a shake shack right off the belt line off of uh over by memorial and decab industrial or whatever mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about yep old fort board situation right yeah right there off the belt line they got a parking garage you order ahead on the app walk in shake shack ready to go and i pounded it in the car <laughs> on the way home uh and it was delicious si- so- a, si- a simultaneous uh rant and recommendation for you Oh man, Shake Shack is amazing. Don't don't you love it? They ha- they have they have more than one there in Austin, or they just have one. Uh, there's, I think there's just the one on South Lamar by me. 
but I, I don't venture too far. I, there's no reason for me to, to go too far north of downtown most of the time. So I don't know if there's another one hiding somewhere. What's your go? Do you go there at all? Nah. But it, but it is in a, it is in a location with the Alamo Draft House and a couple of other you know nice restaurants and stuff. So, all right, so that's it, that's it. I'm not as I don't you know my problem is you know, I love the people who hosted the party, and sometimes I get people get mad at me when I come on here. Much like when I just told Thad he was the worst best man in the world uh, when he hosted that horrible bachelor party in Austin, uh, which you know showed too, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, well, listen, after after hearing about the setup Thad put down, you know. Yeah, I should have been sleeping at your house. That was the biggest mistake. All right. Um, anyway, all right, so that wraps it up. Uh, Rob and I will be back. We want to hear what Rob has to say. We did get a bunch of iTunes reviews. People are listening to the show again, Nick. We're back. Yeah, oh, wow. Just, me, just in, t- just in time. I did go back and look at uh, some of your recent postings, and the last time that I was on – this podcast was like one of the <laughs> one of the least listened to of like the recent ones. So I oh, hope I didn't kill your momentum again this week. Did you go through the what on the on SoundCloud or on iTunes? Uh, just I can't remember. Yeah, whatever, whatever had a play count. Probably, probably SoundCloud. Yeah, I can't remember which. Episode. Well, pe- pe- people, the problem is there's too many podcasts these days. Once the Athletic launched all these podcasts, to put us in a tough spot, but. Uh, People are coming back. We got two reviews this week. Uh, we're up to 111, by the way. Most recent, we got one. Officer Friedman. This will stay at five stars as long as we keep getting at least one shot at Officer Friedman in every episode. <laughs> oh, no problem there. Did you see Lamar Jackson wearing the Officer Friedman sunglasses on the sideline today, Nick? No, no, I didn't. Uh, you have to check my Twitter feed. I tweeted that it was a big day for Friedman because he is a Baltimore native and uh we had Lamar there <laughs> wearing the Friedman sunglasses on the sideline. There was a lot of deal with it, memes and whatnot. Uh, the second review, actually pretty entertaining. Would recommend. Go Ducks. Actually pretty entertaining. There you go. <laughs> I expected it to be horrible. And someone else left a review that said Penn State is overrated. Five stars. And guess what? They were right. Penn State lost to Minnesota. Row the boat. Well, is Penn State overrated or is Minnesota underrated? Oh, Minnesota, way underrated. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree with you there. Uh, great job by them in that win with a bunch of players that we we remember. It's weird when you watch the team and you see a bunch of guys, you're like, oh, yeah, him, and they got him, and they got him. That's where that guy went. So uh, a couple four-stars from Georgia making plays for the old Golden Gophers. So uh, that wraps it up for us. Nick, thank you for joining us. I noticed you tweeted the other day. Are you back on Twitter? Uh, well, you know – a friend of ours tagged me up and was prompting a response, so I obliged. But no, I'm, I'm, Wait, so Keenan lured you out. Was it Keenan tagging you in something? Yeah. <laughs> Keenan will go through spells where he'll DM me ten of his own tweets like in one day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I wish. I, my only regret is that I didn't have a Wedding Crashers reference available to apply to whatever it was we were talking about. Remind me, I'll send you a screenshot. To, I was messaging with Keenan the other day at the, I was at the gym and there's a girl that goes to the gym that like he grew up with. And, uh, I made some reference to something at the gym and he responded back and he was like, as Kanye West says, and it was like a lit lit, you know, it pops up on the preview of your screen. Like, uh, as Kanye West says, and it was like four words of some, from some song. I opened up the DM and he put the entire lyrics to the entire, 
there's the message is like 400 words of like every every lyric to it so uh boy this is yeah that's right this is your only tweet since may was a reply to keenan (laughs) coming out of the dark (laughs) <laughs> that's incredible what a way to what a way to go if that's a, if that's your last tweet ever i hope it's just you replying to keenan <laughs> so anyway you can find nick you just google old nick kruger he's still out there and if you reply to him uh with a mention of wedding crashers or uh old school whatever he'll come he'll definitely reply to you so uh all right m deuce our boy play us out 